Hello and welcome to the first episode of Points of Information for 2020. In today's episode we are going to be going through some of the topics that have just been released for our A, B and C, D grade debaters. We are going to be discussing them with some of our expert adjudicators, looking at what we think about them, and we are going to have some other discussions about what we hope to see in the upcoming year. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce the two others that are here with me today. First off, Tara O'Toole. Tara, welcome. It's nice to be here. So you haven't been on the podcast before, so new voice for those out there. Could you perhaps introduce yourself in a bit of a what you do at the DAV and what you have done? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I am a senior adjudicator for the DAV. I'm also uh, the treasurer, which is uh, a great role. Uh, I have uh, a lot of scope over some of the future investments we can make uh, and how the finances are going overall, which as programs continue to grow is really great for our overall uh, ability to deliver debating across the state. I'm also a chartered accountant, which makes me very qualified to be the treasurer, uh, working at Metro Trains, which keeps me busy. Our other panellists tonight, aside from myself, is the fabulous Michael. Hello, I'm one of the coaches of the Victorian state team, which means that I'm like involved in trialling over 200 kids this year, getting it down to a group of seven eventually, training with them every week so that they can debate as well as possible. So we're at the start of a new year. Some people set New Year's resolutions. I don't set resolutions so much as a bucket list of things I'd like to see. And I'd like to go over some of those with you and maybe discuss some of them and get your take on them. Uh, the first is how long, how many debates do you think we'll see before we have a debater that addresses us as chairperson instead of adjudicator? <laughs> One. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> it's not going to last long, is it? We can always hope. No, there are a lot of small things that get people riled up, but maybe it would be worth looking at some of the bigger things. Is there anything you've seen in debates last year that we're sort of going to hopefully try and clamp down on this year or...? Well, definitely making sure people are following the code of conduct. So making sure people are being a little bit more appropriate. We had a couple of issues last year, but um, in terms of just things that can be annoying, I'd, I'd like to see a lot more teams be a bit more hardline on debates. So rather than kind of coming towards the middle of a topic where everyone's trying to just please the status quo, getting a real, I guess, polarising debate where you've got one team who's solidly on one side and one team solidly on the other and we get some really good discourse in rebuttal. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. The other thing that I'd really like to see is teams starting to work together a little bit more. Like, as an adjudicator, there is nothing that annoys me more than, like, a third negative speaker coming up and just, like, giving this brand new case or this brilliant new rebuttal that they clearly haven't, like, told to their first and second speakers and like even though maybe that will bump your personal speaker score a bit it's a terrible way to win debates and I think it would be really nice to see everyone just like sharing a bit more and talking to each other quietly on their bench so that they could get like the best case possible forward. The biggest thing that I'd like to see and this is something that I've noticed more now that I've become a regional coordinator less so in, as an adjudicator is uh, teams and forfeits. People get sick, things happen, there's all manner of things that could prevent a team from being able to front to a debate for a number of reasons. But sometimes I just can't help feeling that maybe the team's a little bit lazy or something. I don't really know. The other thing and is um, just I, getting I, the notice yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... So what I want to see more of is teams that either give more notice when they know they can't make it or do some... Some of the teams do this and... It doesn't work well for them from a scoring point of view, but I just have to, like... I wish we had a, you know 
best and fairest kind of award to start giving out some of these teams. They go around to the schoolyard, and I know this because they've told me, and they grab one of their friends and say, hey, you're around after school tonight, great. Can you just, like, here's, here's the first affirmative speech. You just have to read it. Can you just do that for us? So they get a ring in that doesn't know debating. And, of course, they don't score as well, and maybe they might not win, which is... But that's how we bring them but in. Exactly. You know, we're, yeah. and, <laughs> debating's and like a cult. You've got to get It's a lot more fairer to the opposition because it's not a forfeit. The opposition gets to, you know, have a practice. And, of course, no one wants to see a team rock up just to be told, oh, yeah, by the way, you don't have an opposition. You can go home now. It's a big waste of time. So you don't want to basically spend an hour or two on the road just to be told you've got a forfeit. That's the big thing I'd like to see this year is a bit more awareness about the other teams and a bit more of, I guess, a bit of an attempt to front your team every round. And maybe people don't know this, but when you submit the team list at the start of the year, that's not set in stone. You can bring more people halfway through. They bring your friends if you must. All they have to do is be able to talk for at least a minute or two and they will be fine. I think also, though, um, <laughs> if a team does pull out with enough notice, regional coordinators or even staff can reorganise the team so that teams are still able to debate if we have an affirmative team uh, forfeit and a negative team forfeit we can usually reshuffle the draw so it's kind of either grab a friend if you've got a week to do so but if not let us know as soon as possible and that way we can get as many people debating as possible so speaking of roping brand newbie friends in there's going to be a number of complete newbies in our competition degrade not everyone will have come from jsp so they might have heard about this podcast from perhaps the more senior de uh, debaters at their school. If Do you remember your first debate? Uh, my first dev debate or my first debate? Just, well, either, yeah. I remember my first debate. It was a two to three. I was in grade five or six, I don't remember. It was a two to three minute debate and my time was something like seven or eight minutes yeah, it was... So the timing restrictions needed yeah, to apply to you well, pretty early yes, on. <laughs> but it wasn't because I had so much to say as I dropped my cue cards, they were in the wrong order, I then got lost, I then had to stop and go back and I basically restarted my speech halfway through and then got really embarrassed and was just silent for a minute before continuing. So it was basically... Everything that could have gone wrong it's, went it's wrong. It's a and, bit of a triple yeah, threat there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. No. <laughs> so, so I definitely remember, yes, my first ever debate. Have you ever had a kid totally blank during a speech? And, like, how would you kind of respond to that? Yeah, I had one of those last year. It was... It's never going to be a good feeling when this guy managed to get about a sentence out and then stood there for multiple minutes. But in the end, what I said to him at the time and what I would say to all new debaters, even if you need to take a seat and just, like, talk me through your points, you might not get the best score, but particularly in D grade, you've probably lost the debate if you can't get any words out. But the most important thing is that you're getting that level of confidence up, and so I would much prefer you to, like, give it a go, like, have a go, like, saying a couple of sentences at least, both so that the debate can run, but also the more times you, like, spend talking to adjudicators, even in a less formal setting the less scary it will be and then maybe next time you'll be able to get half your speech out and then the time after that the full speech so it's we're like really not time. that scary no. not. <laughs> <laughs> i once had a i nearly had that happen i was jsp in geelong there was a team where their uh, one of their speakers hadn't shown up and we were there going well you have to start soon or it will be a 
forfeit. So they grabbed one of their friends who was not part of the team, but it was there for some reason to cheer them on, I don't know, and said, okay, can you deliver the first negative speech? And the friend was sort of freaking out and was basically wanted to run from the room. The problem there was, I think, perhaps not so much the fact that there was a room full of parents wasn't so much the problem as the fact that their two friends were sitting on the table next to them and uh, they didn't want to perhaps... I'm not sure if it was social pressure to let the team down or just knowing that it was their friends and, of course, friends are different to parents. And that was a slightly different one because what I said to her was, if you run out of the room and there's no first negative speaker, then it's a forfeit. But if you stand up and say, good evening, adjudicator, um, I can't do this, and then sit down again, you've presented a speech not a good one and you are going to score 70 i'm telling you right now if that's all you do that's a 70 and that's not a forfeit and my hope was that she would get up there she would start with the good evening read the first cue card at least not rebuttals just the introduction maybe the first argument if that was on the cue card she was given and then sit down and you know one argument at a time get there uh saved by the bell the first negative speaker arrived about five seconds before she was going to start uh but that's another situation missed start never to had, a career yeah, there like that could have been a beautiful moment i know yeah I, i've never had anyone completely go blank in a debate that's probably the closest i've had to a you know butterflies nerves of a speaker in my debate on a more hopeful note, I've happened to award the best speaker to a couple of the freshest people in a debate. So even if you're new to it or it's a new skill that you're learning, you might actually have a natural talent for it. So all the more reason to go out there and give it a go. Like you love to see that happen when there's a team full of really confident people and then one nervous kid who gets up shaking and gives the best speech mm. and you give them best speaker and they get to like get a better score than their super confident friends <laughs> who are slightly <laughs> condescending to them and then they feel great about the world. It's always, it's just if they have one strong rebuttal point that makes you go like, ooh, yes. that is actually pretty good. And then that's sort of the thing that tips the team over into a win. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've done a horrible job at selling this to beginners, talking about all our horror stories of people that just sort of failed. But, you know, I that, that was my your, first, your first debate. Time's my first debate was horrible, worst, yes. Yeah. And here I am still debating some of the time and adjudicating all of the time. I guess there's so hope then. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's yeah. hope. And... You can, you can always improve, like, is the thing. I'm not, I'd never say that That should directly, be the motto. Yeah, you can that's always a, that's improve. I, yeah. I, and that's what I normally, you know, say to the speakers that aren't having such a good time. And most of them, I think I've been fairly lucky, most of them are fairly understanding when things go wrong and their understanding of their friends and their teammates and of even of the other team who's from another school that they don't even know. And they're very understanding when things don't go according to plans. So. Because when you think about it, I, I think there's a study where public speaking is the number one fear of um, a majority of adults. And when we compare that to dying in a plane crash or yes. sharks, it's like it's, it's, it's funny that it still kind of ranks quite highly. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people are sympathetic and no one's going to tell you you've done a bad job or you, you'll get constructive feedback to improve, mm. but you're never going to be shot down for who you are or giving it a go. Mm. For like the number one thing that's going to help you on the night is knowing where to sit. Because <laughs> so many times yes. I walk in the room and really? I'm like, I've never had that happen. <laughs> really? Oh, you've got better, better oh, well, rooms then. Well, the Athneg thing, you've never had that wrong. I've sort of 
Statistically, I, okay, I'm struggling right, to believe sorry. this. <laughs> I think I, I think I misunderstood you there. I, I was thinking like you have people sitting in the audience. Oh no, right? oh, no, no. <laughs> I have I have had a team do that. They didn't know where to sit in the room, and the other team had sort of set up the table, and they were sort of like, wait, do we get the chairperson seat here, or do we have to be? It was really confusing. I always but go no, for af, the af negative. It sort of reached the point where I've stopped caring that I don't even check before they start. Really, that's yeah. terrible. I I, I always so I'm always like, at finals and semi finals I would make the effort but it's just reached the point where it doesn't materially affect their speech and I've just given up policing it. It depends how tired I am. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's been a long day, I'm like, fine. Like. See, I, I do it because if it has been a long day, sometimes I'll award the team to the negative pointing to my right when oh. they're actually the affirmative <laughs> yeah. because it's just on instinct. So for, for anyone who's curious, if you face the room as if you're the adjudicator... The affirmative well, this is, is like on a stage the left. left, stage right problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not whatever left you think is left. It's left of the adjudicator. It's I, I know it as as the adjudicator reading. It's F and negative in that order is left to right. Oh, that's reading. a good one as well. So yeah, it's, it's it's your reading because F then negative. It's one then two. Which and we leave. You know, thank goodness we don't debate in Arabic. That would be really confusing. But <laughs> that's, that's why I'm why like writing stuff down. Yeah, I yeah. know. You're very you're very organised. I, I was just like, number your cards. <laughs> yeah. The internal cue card debate, I feel like there's no consensus, and that's probably a good thing, everyone's different, but I see so many students and they they have got a new debater under their wing, as it were. They're perhaps a bit more experienced or someone's having their first debate in round three and they'll be like telling them what to do. It's like, do this, don't do that, don't do everything else. And people get so dead set on how the cue cards must be. They must be this size or they must be, you know, A4 cut in half or something else. And there's all these different like standards on how them should be or like go to office works and buy this exact brand. I'm surprised how many funny, cue yeah. cards you can buy at office works. It's like how so many different fun. varieties. Yeah. And there's different yeah. colours and yeah. the, <sighs> please don't bring A4 paper. Don't that, bring that, A4 like, sheets. My thing with A4 sheets is if you know how to use them, that's fine. If you're going to pick up your A4 paper, don't do it. Yeah, like, we'd love to see your beautiful face. Yeah. If you spread it out on the table and that's how you debate, I'm okay with that because, like, works better for some people. But use cue cards I or small pieces of paper. I'm not sure. I, I've never seen that in the Western regions. Really? No, I, I've never. So for I, anyone so for, who so is in the Western you, region. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who can't see us and don't know us, hi, I'm Alexander. We all have met each other hopefully by now and I do the Western regions, Geelong, Ballarat, Essendon, Williamstown, whereas the two other people on the opposite side of the table perhaps do more Eastern regions by comparison. I'm a bit all over. All yes, over. I, I live very centrally, so don't really have an excuse okay. not to travel. I do Essendon, Williamstown, Turak, Hawthorne, Ivanhoe. Come to Geelong. I'm not coming to Geelong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Geelong. Okay. I do find it interesting some of the cultures, I guess, or some of the things that tend to happen in debating quite often stick to a region and a4 sheets is something that I haven't seen in the... A4 sheets on the table in front of you. It's something I've never seen at any of the schools and in any, in any of the Western regions. For, for anyone who is in the West and listening, basically the table method is you have more of a kind of political stance where you're kind of at a stand where the table is a stand. You basically put a table and get a table, yeah. put it where you would normally stand, stand behind the table... Later. And I, I encourage people to experiment with it. Like, I, I've seen it used very effectively. Mm. I've seen it used very poorly when 
people lean on the table uh, for the whole speech. I try, s- try new things. Give yeah. it a go. It it isn't it isn't it isn't necessarily better for everyone. For some people, I think they should stick to cue cards because I have seen people deliver that speech. Imagine trying to talk for five minutes with your chin glued to your chest. That's what they were doing. It it didn't look comfortable. It doesn't look made, comfortable. No, no, and it made me look uncomfortable. And they never looked up, which is not what we're going for here. Yeah, I think the overall thing here is just like do what makes you comfortable. Unless if you are holding pieces of paper in front of your face, that is the only thing that is a hard and fast rule. Yeah, you can <laughs> like... sit in your chair, but you cannot hide your face. <laughs> I, I think the flow-on effect for that is all those things come from people that are trying to be helpful by telling you things that are supposed rules. The only rules in our competition of debating is the Australia-Asia Debating Guide. It's not a lengthy rule book like most sports that you probably play. It's only about 35 pages and you can cut it down to 25 if you don't read the contents paid, the forward, the front cover, the back cover, all the other... Extra bits. Yes. Five new rounds of debating for the school's competition for 2020. That means there are a bunch of new prepared topics that we have. I don't think we should probably like give you the entire spin on how to win your debate if you have these topics, but maybe a brief look over what we think some of the traps will be, what we think about the topic, maybe how we would spend our first two minutes of preparing for each of the topics. Do we want to go round by round or grade by grade? Well, do you have a favourite, Alex, Out of from the, the list? the ones? <sighs> one that you're really looking forward to? The one that caught my attention most for a variety of reasons. I wouldn't say it's my favourite, but it's... Put it this way, there's one that I've prepared the resource guide for, and I'm just looking at it going, I'm going to have to adjudicate this sooner or later, and I'm not sure how I'm going to cope. <laughs> so which, which topic is it? That is the that we regret the rise of streaming services. <laughs> I, I am afraid for this topic. Yes. Um, so perhaps to some of the debaters out there, this might be a good conversation between adjudicators, but you might be wondering what the hell we are going on about here. As adjudicators, in the room where adjudicators meet before debates start, we sometimes discuss how we think the debate will happen. And as we get more senior, these... Uh, predictions end up getting closer and closer to reality. We we have a good idea of things that will trip up debaters and things that will things that they will excel at or do well. And the other thing that is quite often apparent to us is keep in mind your adjudicator will do multiple regions, and unless you are the region that does a topic first or maybe second. They have heard the topic, your adjudicator has heard the topic you are debating probably before. And when you hear a topic seven or eight times, you start hearing the same arguments again. And quite often you can just sort of get a good feel for how different topics goes. Which is why I wanted to talk about the topics with a bunch of expert adjudicators like we are doing now. To hopefully give you some some of that ahead of time so you're aware of some of the things we think about. And maybe so you can then think about how you will be preparing your debates to try and avoid some of the common traps and maybe think about it from an adjudicator point of view. Well, I guess we've started with that we regret the rise of streaming services. So why do adjudicators hate regret topics? The first thing when I, when you see a topic like that that should spring to your head is this is not a normative topic, this is an empirical topic. For those of you who have not listened to some of the previous episodes where we have discussed the nuances between normative and empirical topics, a normative topic is the one that you are used to seeing, that we should do this, that we should ban that, by something that you can do. 
an empirical topic by comparison is one that we're not doing anything, instead we're just discussing the merits of something. Was this a bad idea? Do we regret this? Have we failed this demographic of people? And the reason why adjudicators are wary of empirical topics is, well, there's a few different reasons. The one that springs to my mind is I've seen a lot of teams that approach it as if it's a normative topic. It's usually a, oh, yes. we're going to ban Netflix. Yes, we're going to yeah, ban Netflix. Right. And then they have a model and that completely misses the point of the topic because the topic isn't about anything to do with Netflix or anything to do with Disney Plus or any other. It's like, here's a, if you're doing this to, um, topic, here's a challenge. Don't use Disney Plus or Netflix in your debate. See if you can do that. There are so many. <laughs> to be honest, Stan, yeah. Foxtel, adjudicators now, will be Go. happy. Yes, yeah. I know. Trust me, they will be very happy with you. And doing the resource guide, I found a list of about 30 that were from big name providers and we could go on and on with all the niche ones targeted to, you know, we only do documentaries about nature. I love a Crunchyroll. The second thing that's challenging about that topic is that there's an example. And whenever I see we should do this example, that like we should, uh, from last year, we should abolish standardised testing, example, mm -hmm. NAPLAN. People... <laughs> People missed the, the frustration. Yes, I know. <laughs> people missed... This always happens when I see example or anything in brackets is people miss what's before the brackets and only include the brackets. So for standardised testing, I got every argument under the sun for or against NAPLAN. There were whole debates where I did not hear about any other types of standardised testing. What about VCE? What about VET subjects? Nope, we only talk about NAPLAN. And that's not the point. So this is why we would like to see people that talk about streaming services other than Netflix and Disney Plus is because it shows that you are considering that streaming services encompass more than just those two providers. This is a part of why I don't like examples and topic names. And they're mainly there for a guide. Yeah, for they're there for a guide. They're there to help you along. Um, yeah, I think that the classic mistake that people make with a topic like this, unrealistically large impacts. I think that this is a like classic example of a debate where you are better off going for a more realistic impact and then trying to prove it really well. And what I mean by that is that you're probably not going to be able to say that these two things have completely and utterly destroyed all forms of independent filmmaking. They've made it completely impossible. But that's what people default to because it sounds better. But if you can like explain to your adjudicator how this has had a significant impact or it's made it much harder or it's made it harder for individual groups or it's made it harder to get funding, something specific, I think that that's a lot better because your negative team then can't just go and say, like, oh, well, there are a million examples of, like, this independent film still exists, so checkmate. Be realistic and be really strong on, like, proving that impact rather than going for something broad and then just kind of asserting it and hoping that no one challenges you. The other thing I would add to that would be average reasonable person. If you go talking about how it's going to change in de development forever, you need to prove not to the adjudicator but to the average reasonable person. And the average reasonable person, I'm not sure how well they would probably believe that argument too. So that's the other thing of being realistic. If you're too out there, it fails the average reasonable person test. And when, we're a, uh, when an adjudicator is assessing how uh, persuasive an argument is, our benchmark is, would the average reasonable person believe this? Would they be persuaded by it? For those of you who don't know the topics off by heart yet, that was A grade round one. All right, so let's look at B grade round one, that we should ban climate change denial. 
Okay. I'm already Thoughts. seeing problems with this one. Okay. <laughs> Mainly because climate denial is a belief system and you can't necessarily ban someone's belief system. I think what it's kind of trying to allude to is the idea that you can ban or limit someone's broadcasting of their specific belief system. So I think teams have got to be a little bit careful of the nuance of the question. I'm sure we'd love to ban people's beliefs, but I just don't think we're on that psychological <laughs> control level yet, <laughs> which I think would make the world a better place in the hands of the right people. Uh, but oh. in, the hands, in the hands of the right... I feel like there's two good topics there. One, if it was possible, should we yeah. do it? And two, who are the right adult. people? Adult debating topics. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I think it's a great... It's, I mean, it's come at such a good time. I think this is one where definitely do your research. There is plenty of examples out there. Don't just go for the obvious ones. Uh, there's probably going to be a new example every week knowing the media especially with things like things that the national party are saying or responses to the bushfire crisis there's a lot of current things especially in australia and going more broadly and b-grade debaters your challenge is to get through this debate without using a quote from trump i think like if the last one i don't one, think they can do it i don't think <laughs> if the last one if the last one was don't talk about netflix or disney plus in this one it's avoid the trump also maybe defining climate as opposed to weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the other important thing on this one, kind of on the definitions of words or looking at all the words in the topic, is that I think that a lot of AF teams in particular are going to go like, this is why climate change denial is bad and not justify the ban. That's like very important that like, you explain why it is bad enough that it is worth getting to a ban because otherwise the negative team can say, like, oh, we would support, like, restricting it or, like, accompanying it with all sorts of other things. You need to explain why a ban is justified, otherwise you don't get anywhere. The benefit I... of this topic, though, is that ban is fairly common in debating, and I, f I feel like it's fairly easy. Once you've seen enough of them... People never do it well. <laughs> <laughs> this is B-grade. They should, they should be good now. I think a really good current example of this is uh, the conversation publication has banned any kind of uh, climate uh, denialism publications. So I think that's a really good place to start in terms of a real-world example where we've just kind of said no, this is no longer a space where we're going to allow that kind of uh, discourse. Uh, so definitely checking that out and exploring why they decided to take that stance. Can you look at the resource guides on no, the no, website? No, no, come, come here and do it properly. <laughs> but it's so funny. Since everyone's been talking so well about the details of the topics, I would recommend that you all look at the resource guides that we write and publish on the website for all of the topics. I wrote the G-grade one. It's quite possibly the best one. It's just saying. They can be found in the resources tab. It's literally the first link is resource guides. They have a background to the topic, handy questions to help you think of further arguments, and also links where you can get evidence so you literally don't even have to do any research. They are the best resource. Please use them. Our returning listeners would recognise that as the voice of the fabulous Izzy Leach. Uh, and then for C grade, we've got that children should be legally required to take care of their parents rather than placing them in aged care. I know that uh, Michael's pretty passionate about the response this, of this. This is a podcast, not a vodcast, but... Trust me when I say it, he he's looks like he's very agitated right now. I just think that you need to do a lot of work as the affirmative here to make this justified. I think that there you can make lots of good arguments to explain why it would be a good idea for children 
to place to like look after their parents rather than placing them in aged care in some circumstances but proving that like in all circumstances or all circumstances that you modeled it should be like a legal obligation it's quite quite tricky so i think that like in your prep time you should spend a lot of time working out why it should be legally justified required rather than just a good idea out of curiosity i'm guessing like children for this topic would be defined as adult children offspring, of, offspring yeah, yeah which i think I, I, yeah because i don't think if the child isn't yet a legal entity a la they haven't turned 18 i think exceptions it's for your model yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay uh, i would say for this one okay c grade debaters <clears throat> year 10s if if you're about to go into this debate know where this topic has come from there's been a lot of talk about aged care there's been a royal commission so it's a bit topical which you often see in debates, especially in secret topics, because we only announce them an hour early. We can make them about very recent news stories. So there's a lot of reasons for and against you should be able to find in any news publication worth its salt. If, if I was looking at this, I would be very careful about the way I defined and modelled take care of. Yes. Because, like, I would look at that and go, so if I pay for the aged care oh, facility, your, would, yeah. that, would that count? I would, would say I, no. Like, if and I've that's, tried to run and, that. And then the, the other part is, if you run with that, be careful it doesn't turn into a definitional debate. And if you don't know what a definitional debate is, that's where instead of debating whether you need to look after your parents or not, you instead basically debate the debate topic, which is sort of kind of what we're doing now. So yeah. if your debate uh, arguments sound like what we're talking about now, you probably need to tone it back a bit. I, I think my biggest concern for this debate is, uh, as, as a feminist, the idea that it will uh, fall to the women of a household. So if we're talking about adult children, they're usually partnering off, um, potentially in heterosexual relationships, uh, and we might have the idea of, well, because men generally get a better salary, then the women are left to not only raise the children, but also raise their parents and their partner's parents. And I feel like I f that's a really strong, I think, current issue of d because of the division of labour that I think could be used uh, for the negative team and that the AF should be cautious of when they're making their model. And this is also, I feel, somewhat culturally relevant. First off, I will preface this by saying that this topic unless you define it something more restrictive, applies to Australia. But you can still run with this a little bit because Australia is a country full of immigrants. And that is other countries are going through big problems with this shift. China's got an ageing population and it used to be culturally they would live in the same house as their parents and now that isn't a thing anymore. India's seeing the same sorts of problems. It's very traditional to... There's a strong cultural uh, reason only, to look um... after your parents in Vietnam. So if you look at places where there's Chinese and Vietnamese <coughs> immigrants, you know, Footscray, Box Hill, that's something... It's, we're seeing that change in Australia as well, so it might be interesting to see if any team tries to run with a cultural sort of perspective on this. And I think you can marry you, that you as well. You could do it well if you do it carefully, but I think there's also a wrong way of doing that, so teams, course, please yes. be careful. I think you could also marry the cultural aspect uh, with the wealth aspect in a sense that um, a lot of uh, more 
elderly people or older generations are now living in housing where they've got additional rooms and younger generations, especially um, people who are looking to start a family, just don't have access to backyards and rooms that they can um, put bunk beds into. And I feel like the idea of having uh, a three-generational household may be appealing, not just for the cultural aspect, but the idea that you have access to inner-city facilities, uh, the fact that your commute might be a lot less. There, There is a benefit of uh, having potentially someone uh, staying at home uh, to get the benefit of the home. <laughs> Oh, degrade is my favourite. Oh, okay. <laughs> degrade is uh, that we should limit the number of cars that each household can own. So, degrade debaters, usually in year nine. Uh, I'm not sure what it's like in your regions, but in some of the western regions like Geelong and Ballarat, we see year eight kids. Year in, seven, in, yeah. I've, yes, there are a few year sevens. So, keeping this really simple, what do we think of this topic? This is definitely advice for older um, debaters as well, but... I think that keeping in mind when you're debating that, yes, you want to make arguments for a reasonable person, but also that you're speaking to an adjudicator who is predominantly your audience for scoring, I think that it's good to keep in mind that your adjudicator is a real person who has a real life and that there are things that they're going to care about more. So things like uh, climate change or housing affordability or wage growth, which I know are all boring things. Sorry, I'm a hobby economist. There are things things that I feel like you are going through right now. No, but like in general, I mean, you know, there's, um, you know, people in university who have got hexed at, like there are real world consequences for adjudicators that I feel like if debaters bring them into topics where they're relevant, that I think you're going to have uh, a a better um, connection with your adjudicator um, and probably um, gain more, um, I guess, points there in a sense that we're not going to be hearing the same topic over if you're able to connect on that level. Because I feel like a lot of debaters will connect with what their parents are doing or what their um, friends' parents are doing, where if you think about things more like an elder brother or an older cousin, you might get a different stakeholder uh, perspective. And I think when it comes to a topic like this, it's the idea that petrol has become more expensive, but cars are cheaper. Climate change is a real issue for young people. Uh, the idea that we're also staying at home with our parents longer so we can potentially have access to their vehicles. Uh, my favourite, Uber. <laughs> um, and the uh, different implications of that. So I think that the more people are able to connect with their with potentially what their adjudicator as an audience member is concerned about you may also get uh, different arguments which are useful in your repertoire but also something that might be interesting cool um yeah the other thing i would say on this topic try to explain why the things that you care about in this topic are important to the adjudicator because i think it's unlikely that either side is going to be able to completely prove that there will be no environmental impact or that there will be no impact on convenience. So it's a really good idea, and it also helps you get to time, which I know is often a problem for degraders, is to, as well as, like, explaining, like, why there is an impact on the environment, talk about why climate change is so important and why this would be such an important change, or talk about how convenience is particularly important for people living in rural areas Mm. or how some people, like this will make it impossible for them to get to work. It'll have to double that time and how that's very important in their everyday lives. 
because that way you make the adjudicator care about what you're saying as well as believe that it's true and you need to do both of those things to win a debate so it's good if you do them rather than just like hoping that your adjudicator happens to share your interests. I think as well models are really useful in a debate like this because as you said convenience and being able to get to areas if we're taking something away we should think about what we're replacing it with and whether that's investment into infrastructure or a rescheduling uh, maybe a staggering of a work time you can experiment with different things but i think definitely um don't just hang us to dry with no cars <laughs> uh, if you don't know what a model is they're a bit of a deep topic i don't want to go into them now but if you look through our archives open up your podcast player and have a look around for episode four we discuss models in some depth if you don't think we went into enough depth or we talked about something else that you're unfamiliar with that we haven't talked about previously on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us. We can be emailed very easily at publications at dav.com.au. There's no trick spelling there. It's just pub publications as you look it up in the dictionary like you look up a topic. If you have any requests for anything you'd like, any sort, any group of senior and expert adjudicators to talk about on the podcast, please send those through. Next episode and the episode after, you're probably going to be hearing the other side of what we've just been talked about where the three of us will have heard these arguments in debates and we will be looking at, I guess, how correct or incorrect we might have been in our predictions. Please, please surprise us. I have a lot of hope. I, I reckon that, uh, yeah, like they're a good batch of topics. Yeah. What I'm more interested in actually is seeing how different, different regions, I feel like regions are somewhat individual and the problems you see in one region aren't necessarily the same in another. So what I'm interested in seeing is how the different regions do the different topics. You should almost have a podcast on uh, <laughs> what's this region's, like... Oh, dear. Um, I don't know, feature. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you now have a good idea of how to approach some of the round one topics for your upcoming debates. If you didn't get enough information, some good resources are the resource guides we have talked about earlier. Also... If you're a maybe a C or a D grade debater or you are new to debating, I'm sure your school has got a debate club or that really dedicated English teacher that manages all debating. Try asking them or try asking them who is a good A or B grade debater because hopefully the senior debaters at your school will be able to help you out, coach you along a little bit. And, of course, remember that they've probably got a few more years up on you and they know how debating works. Also, coming into round one, if you're a little bit unsure, if you're not sure about something, not sure about, or you'd like a bit of explaining, after the debate's over, feel free to talk to your adjudicator and ask them questions. We try as much as possible to make ourselves available after, at the conclusion of each debate, to answer questions, and we can usually provide you more specific feedback rather than just three or four people speaking out into the void as the three of us here are doing now. Well then, good luck with your upcoming debates. You will hear from us again next month. Until then, have a fabulous day. Bye.